We back? We're back again. Back again. Sorry we took a week off. We have some lives, okay? I know. Okay. Also, I haven't slept in two weeks, so please forgive me. We're both on no sleep right now, yes. like days of no sleep. Sable worse than I am. I was stomping over here like, this is going to be fun. I'm running on fumes. And then I get here and Sable's like, I legitimately have not slept in two weeks. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to shut up. You win that one. So sorry for anything that we say or do in this episode. As usual, oh, we God. cannot be held accountable. Never. That holds up in court, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool. Whatever. We brief them. <laughs> Well, I got so desperate, I asked Twitter. No one listens to me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm like that girl trying to like get into the conversation, and yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, totally me too. And then everyone like kind of closes the circle and doesn't talk to her. That's me and Twitter. Aren't you private? <laughs> I I republiced it. Mm. You might as well. You're I, famous. Yeah, I guess so. No difference. No difference. <laughs> Every time I make the mistake of asking a question on Twitter, yeah. and I start getting all these replies, I'm like, who the fuck asked for your opinion? And then I'm like, oh, I did. That's right. Same. And they're all suggestions that are like very nice and helpful. And I'm like, where are these motherfuckers coming from? Who gave them the Well, room? Instagram is usually my like WebMD. <laughs> I'm just like, am I dying, please? It's like the people's opinions that you do want mm-hmm. never come. But all exactly. the unsolicited exactly. ones come when you don't even ask. I, I just asked Twitter and Instagram, like, what do you do if you have the type of insomnia where you, you wake up in the middle of the night and then just can't fall back asleep? Drugs. And somebody recommended me, I forget the name of it, like a prescription drug. And then I looked it up and it was medication for bipolar disorder. And I was like, did you just call me bipolar? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> that is some wacky so like, shit. That's some wacky ass shit. And then 50% of the people were like, can you share the results? <laughs> Always. And I was like, I'm not your fucking concierge. No, because like, then it's my Siri. Because then it's my fault. You build your follower base right. and then ask them for medical advice. Literally, yeah, Don't ask exactly. Me. <laughs> you ask your own internet for medical. Do your own advice. dirty work. God. Uh, anyway, it is all inconclusive. One thing I did, I did buy a melatonin supplement on the recommendation from a follower. It's the the Ollie Sleep. She recommended the gummies, but I bought like. The souped up version they're like I'm, jelly beans i was like they're not gonna help me i need the ultra version with extra strength so it has like six milligrams of melatonin instead of three plus magnesium and it like worked one night didn't work the next night and then the third night i paired it with an edible and that worked but i think it was oh. mostly the edible doing it oh it was like a tiny tiny microdose of what is a microdose actually it was like 2.5 milligrams of thc in it to me that's a microdose yeah but to me, that would, I would be a puddle. Really? Yeah, oh my God. An edible? Oh. Absolutely the fuck not. I feel like five milligrams is like the standard baseline for a lot of people. Yeah. Like dosage. My marijuana era is over. <laughs> I feel like mine has yet to begin. <laughs> mine basically didn't happen, but I will tell you that edibles are not the girl. Edibles make me so like, horny. Gooey. Oh, sorry. Really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not... Everything makes me horny. They were actually for horniness. But I knew it would make me sleepy. Mm. It's this one company called 1906. They like discourage you from calling it marijuana because apparently that is the cop usage and the correct term is cannabis or the PC term, I suppose, is cannabis. Anyway, anyway, they make these cannabis (laughs) supplements slash edibles like chocolates and tablets that are mixed with other herbal shit to give them a purpose or intention. There's like one for sleeping, one for energy, one for focusing, blah, blah, blah. All of them make me sleepy. Mm. 
especially the sleepy one, but I ate all of those years ago and they only sell in dispensaries and they're going to dispensaries in New York. How long did you have this weed edible for? Weed edible. It Listen to me did expire last year. Okay. Well. <laughs> but it was like in a sealed pouch. So I was like, it's a tablet. It's fine. It's fine. But it was like the love formula <laughs> so it's like in 20 minutes you'll feel highly aroused and i was like nah bitch i'm asleep not highly aroused that's literally what it says it kind of sounds like it's like a viagra-esque sort of thing but i've also taken the regular dosage one even like with a partner and i was like no it literally made me fall asleep i don't like it made both of us fall asleep like we did not have sex <laughs> i feel like the only time i don't want to have sex is when i'm high and yeah, i still it's will not fun though i don't like it when i wouldn't I'm say high. it's not fun I just feel so out of my body. That is true. I feel out of my fucking head. Yeah. So it's like the whole point of sex is to like experience pleasure in the body. So mm. I was like, well, I'm not even in my body. So That's true. I just feel crazy. I like melatonin a lot, but mm. I don't take it often at all. And when I do, I only take the, a half dose mm. because like when I take a full dose, which is not a lot, it's melatonin. Yeah. I feel like I got harpooned. Really? Yes. Oh my God. I and wish I like, that happened to me. In like a good way, but I can't take a full dose like if I have to yeah. work the next morning because like who knows what'll happen. Well, I'll wake up in four days. Well, yeah, that's the thing people say with melatonin is that like you could easily OD it and mm. then you won't wake up the next day or it'll be tired the next day. Oh, I don't think that's true. I think I actually overdid it last week. Oh. But I don't take it. I, like I said, I only take it to like get my sleep schedule back on track. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, like jet lag and again. stuff. That makes sense. I mean, I don't know. It worked for me when I... But also, the night that it worked for me, I literally didn't sleep the night before. So I think I was just really tired. Anyway, this has been my life for the past two weeks. I'm obsessed with our intros lately. <laughs> insomnia is my whole personality now this entire like do not ask me to do anything because i don't know if i'm going to be asleep or awake then i'm sorry right i can't clear your schedule i might be dead please don't die well moving's been my entire personality oh, yeah. for three months oh so. now, I ha- now we both have personalities yeah. this is great finally finally, finally. That's all I wanted it's finally us. done we found our brand i know we have <laughs> I'm about to launch my rebrand. My final piece of furniture shipped today so i can finally <gasps> shut up wait which one the console Ooh! Yeah, another white hump. Oh my god! So excited! <laughs> I can't wait to go to your house, and it's just like a space capsule. It's truly oh so fucking cool. Oh my god, that cloud couch came. <gasps> and when so I excited. tell you, when I tell you, it's so fucking. Cool. You can never eat pasta in your apartment. Never eat no pasta. spaghetti. Like literally, what what did I what did I say? I was like, <laughs> I'm always splashing red wine or marinara around my place, always. Or if I'm not doing that, I'm swatched up to the elbow and lipstick. Yeah. Oh, you know what dude. I mean? Everything is That's white. That's a danger and, zone for me. Oh my god! Everything is white and velvet. Everything. <laughs> what have I done? Can you scotch guard it? Isn't it that? Like, I already spray? did. Okay. Yeah, and then I got like real woozy <laughs> because I've never Is like your windows like open. Not a lot. Yeah, they like just crack. Open, I'm on right? the 20th floor. They yeah. took one look at me and they said, "Nail that bitch down." <laughs> not him. Not not him. <laughs> he gets one inch of air. <laughs> Literally, it's, it, it might be two at best. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've never scotch guarded a couch before. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. I got done and I was like, I don't feel too well. <laughs> <laughs> but then I did it again because I got another couch. Yeah, I did it during the quote unquote hurricane, the gay hurricane, Henri. <laughs> they really were calling it Henri, which I, I think is like, so funny. Was Henry already taken? I don't know. It I don't understand an, how they name hurricanes. I know that do I. It was just like a rainy weekend. I was stricken with fear. I mean, I was like, I live, I, I live in this big ass building. You would have been to me. Fine. I know, I know. But also like, there's a hurricane. Yeah. It's a natural disaster. It's true. It was fine. They don't have hurricanes in the Midwest, do they? What I No, what I will say, though, <laughs> is that any, like, natural disaster that happens on the East Coast is just, like, a Tuesday in the Midwest. Oh, I'm like, true, and true, I true, And I get yeah. that the hurricane, like, kind of curved us. We just got heavy rains. But I was like, this? Yeah. This? 
I, I just like saw that they're like, people are clearing the shelves of toilet paper again and food. And I was like, I have one container of leftover takeout. Right. And a bag of rice. <laughs> this I'm is how good. it ends. This is how it ends. <laughs> and I got sauce. I got so many sauces. Yeah. You'd be fine. That's me. You know how I stocked. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. We survived it all. We got through Hurricane Henri. <laughs> I have something in my spirit and I don't want to say it on the podcast. Please say it. Because it's, no, it's about podcasting. I feel like oh. I'm inviting the devil in. I think the devil's been in. Yeah, this is the devil is among us. I think us. the devil's like, I need to leave. I was listening to <laughs> <laughs> Lucifer is sick of us. I was listening to a podcast that I like yesterday. Uh huh. Here's my thing. Okay. Men, you know, I don't like men like emoting. I don't. I don't think men should write music. That's I don't true. think men should make art of any sort. I don't no. think they should write books. I certainly don't think they should host mm-hmm. podcasts. And I include myself in this to be very clear <laughs> so like the, the joke has always been on me but i was listening and it just got like really i don't know do you know what i mean i had one of those moments where, where i was like do i do this and i don't <laughs> Wait, even know what i'm what trying are you know talking about <laughs> i was i was listening what? to the new york times podcast if we're going to call a spade a spade which i like is it the daily no, it's I'm Michael Bobo. No, no, no. Popcast with a P. Popcast. Oh, it's about pop, pop music. Yeah. Oh. I didn't think they were that cool. The show's pretty good. Okay. The show's very good. The one thing is like the host, mm-hmm. John Caramarco, is really great and really smart, but like will sort of beat a joke into the ground uh, 10 seconds too long. Mm, you know what I mean? To mm-hmm, the point mm-hmm. where he's the only one laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got, and I, it took me to this really dark place. <laughs> I was like, this isn't me, right? <laughs> You know what I mean? Because like I know that we get a kick out of ourselves, but I'm like then I'm having this panic of like, oh my god, we're a year in. Like, am I this thing that I hate? Oh, oh, okay. So you're having like a self-reflective moment. I don't think I'm. I don't try to be funny. I don't mm. know what I'm even saying anymore. But now I'm in front of a mic and I'm panicking. I think about you're it. very funny. I, that's not like what I'm looking for. I just like, no, but like I think you're funny in the way that <laughs> I aspire to be, which is that you can say not even a joke, like you can say a remark. Mm that is funny and not laugh where I will always laugh at my own joke as I'm doing right now. So I will always give it away. Uh, Like I just, I cannot play it cool enough to like make a joke land. I think it's because my entire life, everyone's been like, so you're kind of bitchy. What's that about? (laughs) And like, I've always been self-conscious about coming off bitchy because, and it's not even that I was bitchy. I think I just have like resting bitch face and I'm quiet. So people just assume I'm a bitch. Yeah. I don't want them to not assume that. I would prefer them to assume that. But at yeah. the same time, when I'm like, you know, trying to make a fucking connection with people, I'm like, don't be too deadpan because they'll take it the wrong way. Totally. Like I've had close friends, which I now note, all of which have been fucking men. Mm. Never women who say this to me. I've been like, yeah, you're like kind of blunt sometimes. Or like, yeah, you can be like pretty direct. And I'm like, and? Yeah. And then when I'm always like, well, what do you mean by that? They're like, uh, you know, and then they suddenly fucking lose their knowledge of words but i bet you they would never say that to another man <sighs> would they no yeah probably not you know anyways <laughs> if you have any feedback about what i just said rest assured <laughs> that i don't want to hear it i just also don't want to be that guy you know i feel I mean? like if there was someone like petty enough they would have like wrote some passive aggressive itunes review that's true like that's true don't get any ideas with, like they did with my mispronunciation of bergamot which like, you know what i cleaned up my act you can come for me all you want. Don't come for Sable. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Get a fucking life. We're not for, you're listening to a fragrance podcast. You are the problem, not us. 
I'm sorry. As we said, we're <laughs> we running are on... feeling very uncharitable this I'm, week. I'm just like, oh god. <sighs> I'm in one of those places. Oh, we gotta cut a, cut a lot of this shit out. <laughs> I have a moment about like twice a week for about three minutes, and it really worries me because I feel like things are going really, really well, but like the freelancer in me is always like, things are never good for long. Mm. When things are good, mm-hmm. they never last. Mm-hmm. And also like the. All the rest of me says that too. But I have, I feel like, oh, like work seems to be going really well. And like all this freelance shit is going really well. And like, I love my friends and my place and my life, whatever. And then I'm, and then I have this moment. I don't know if it's like an out of body experience or the three minutes a week where I'm finally in my body. (laughs) And I'm like, am I just like, is this the real me? Fully manic right now? Or like, (laughs) am I just like on a full blown spiral? Like what's happening? I don't know why I'm going, I'm cutting this out. Are you having just one of those like out of body, what is it called? It's an existential crisis. <laughs> no, because I think I'm fine. Like I th- yeah. I'm, I'm like enjoying everything. But mm-hmm. then I like, I think I'm pretty self-aware, but mm-hmm. then I'll like see it from the outside. Mm-hmm. That's uh, true. You yeah. You I mean? can never truly know how mm-hmm. you are perceived. And like how you perceive me is not yeah. my problem. That's true. Other people's opinions of you are none of your business. And me. And then I'm like, is any of this actually happening? <laughs> I think you are having an existential crisis. That's literally what it sounds like. <laughs> I know. Anyways, I feel like things are good but weird. Things I, are good but weird. I keep experiencing things. Really? Yeah. Is the spirit finally like entering your body? This is when you develop your powers? I don't know. Maybe. Is it happening? Maybe. I've always low-key been like waiting for that to happen to me, but also like terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be clairvoyant or something. I'm not this mm. weird for no reason. It happened to a family member of mine. So like when she was describing it to me, I was just what like, what do you mean? Did she like levitate? No, she's like connected to the spirit world. Oh, I love that. Yeah. She'll just text me random shit. That's like, Hey, just so you know, like think about this or like, have you thought about like, I can't think of an example right now, but yeah. like things that like I didn't tell her uh-huh. and like, there's no way she would have known because I didn't tell anybody or write about it. Yeah. And she'll just be like, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Is like, everything okay? And I'll be like, I'm spiraling. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it was really weird. Anyway, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. You had like a spiritual awakening where ghosts were talking to you and it freaked you the fuck out for a long time. I love that. I don't want that to happen to me. It sounds scary. I do. No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should talk about fragrance. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think we're like 17 minutes in. We got to I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to use this fucking intro as like my therapy session. <laughs> Yes and no. It's our podcast. I know. I mean, exactly. (laughs) Tynan, what do you smell like today? So, this showed up months ago. Oh. Unasked for. And, you know, don't send shit that we don't ask for, please. I know that's a very privileged thing to say, but, like... They just... Don't send Found out where things. You, live. you know what I mean? Send like fragrance. Sustainability, etc. Uh-huh. Be responsible. Uh-huh. Ms. Crabtree and Evelyn. <laughs> oh, that is a random name. Right? Wow. Sent me two fragrances. I'm like, one, when have we ever worked together? Two, yeah. what is any of this? How do you know where we're... Where right. we <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't really touch them, but I just got curious. And <laughs> today I'm wearing Raw Instinct, what a name. Which sounds... For Crabtree and Evelyn. Perverted. She's going through something. <laughs> I'm going through something. <laughs> yeah, so I was not excited to wear this fragrance. And I... It has kind of humbled me. I'm surprised by how much I like it. Oh. Unfortunately. Raw instinct. I don't, like... I'm not obsessed with it. But it's good. They released... I think I think it's a pair. One is 
green. The one, this one is green, and I believe the other one is pink. So I can't believe I'm not wearing that one. But here we are. I think I thought this name was yeah, pervy, twist. so I wore it. <laughs> and it's. I'm gonna be like on my sable yong tip here, but <laughs> it smells like being in a nice hotel Ooh. room with a guy who just showered and got ready for the night and then you walk into the bathroom and it's like very specific misty and humid and you smell like his pomade and the shampoo from the shower and his deodorant and like shaving cream and whatever fragrance he may have just put on and it's just like this big conglomeration of him in the air and you smell that like it's just that mm. it's one of those that's nice smells that you smell and you're like oh i'm going out tonight and you also smell and you're like i'm definitely having sex tonight <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it's good in in a very odd but i think really nice way so if you think of us like one of those like sporty scents from like 2015 yeah for men that you kind of couldn't get away yeah, from yeah yeah but then you make it like a little bit more citrusy sweet and a little bit more earthy. Like you gave it more than just like uh, mountain air and like cold metal. Mm-hmm. You actually like put shit with it. It's like that. It's really nice. That smells, that sounds nice. It is. It is nice. Yeah. Um, is that marketed for men? So I, you would think it was, but then you scroll through the product page oh. and they show a female identifying person, which I think is really cool. Interesting. You know, because I mean, it's very... That's the bottle looks like an boring. Aesop fragrance. Yes, like an Aesop fragrance yeah. is what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the top, there's pomelo and kumquat. Um, kumquat, the horniest fruit. <laughs> yeah, right? In the middle, there's eucalyptus. Shout out to Equinox. Um, <laughs> apple blossom and jasmine. And at the base, there's vetiver smoke, papyrus, and this word they don't know how to say. Guayak woods. Oh, God. Ga- yeah, guayak. Yeah, guayak. Yeah. Yeah, it's just nice. It's sort of like a nice memory yeah. of a dude. That smells like a hotel scent. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not the hotel that. itself. It's like yeah, yeah, what yeah. transpires in a hotel. Yeah. Before the sun goes down. It's really nice. I like it a lot. Oh. So I Crab mean Crabtree and Evelyn. Sh- honestly, All right, girl. Shout out to, to Crabtree and Evelyn. This <laughs> actually this is a scent that I would love on someone else. Uh okay. You know enough. what I mean? I, s- I have one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, but today the whole day I was like God, I hate being wrong. <laughs> Sable, what do you Please smell like me. today? Please stop me. <laughs> I smell like YSL Black Opium Extreme, which I think is preferable, or actually my favorite of the Black Opium Flankers. Because it takes my favorite part of the original and just amps it up, which is the coffee and patchouli. I'm so... Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I know. You don't like patchouli. But, but I love coffee. YSL, what's good? Yeah. It's, uh, I think, their newest flanker. When I first saw it, I was like, do we really need this to be extreme? Mm-hmm. And then when I read that they like just upped the coffee, I was like, yes, we do need yeah. this to be extreme. And it's not actually like... A lot of fragrances will put out an extreme version of a popular scent Mm -hmm. and it's louder and more pungent Mm -hmm. than the original but this one i don't think is that it's just it's warmer and it's spicier Mm. and it just has this 
like this simmering warmth to it that stays with you for a long time. So I guess in that sense, it is extreme, but not that like I, I love the original Black Opium, but I do. I feel like I feel like they tempered it to be very like traditional in a fra- like to smell like a traditional fragrance so it, it has that like you know floral powderiness to it sure. that makes i guess a best-selling fragrance marketed for women but this one kind of removed that floweriness mm-hmm. there is jasmine in it and there's a vanilla bourbon but it just really focuses on like the base notes which i love because mm. that's my favorite part of the fragrance so i feel like i just smell like a it almost smells like a men's fragrance. Almost. Really? Yeah. But uh I really really like this one. Yeah. A lot. It just feels like a really cool, like <sighs> I feel like I make this reference too much, but it does smell like a really cool leather jacket. It's like a hot summer night and a cool leather jacket. I don't know why you would be wearing a leather jacket on a hot summer night mm. if only to look cool. Yeah. Because that's what matters. Yeah looking cool only only look i saw the ad with zoe kravitz and i was sold i was like that's it put her in anything and i'm sold yeah yeah it's tough and sexy not tough but sexy you know it took the original and toughened it up and threw some dirt in there and i love it it's earthier and sexier it like it sort of hangs in the air so i walked in tonight and i was Mm -hmm. like what the hell is this it smells really good yeah i smelled it last time i was here too yeah it's it's a good one it's funny because i think of black opium um is one of those fragrances from that era that's like already intense enough exactly know? yeah yeah and, like, and i think it's meant to be yeah no yeah. totally so i'm like y'all wanted to take this up enough i know like, we... you're like you're running more of more but, but i think I'm, I'm with you in that i think this one is even lovelier. yeah they like they just like recalibrated it to like bring out the bass notes mm-hmm. which i thought was genius and uh when did the original launch again like 2010 14 see i always think it's way older than that it's not that old me. is yeah. opium though is like the oh, OG, opium right? is from like the 70s right. Right, 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 right 1977 i just googled it okay so the original ysl opium was 1977 it's a while it's a while and yeah. i just wonder people are so hung up on nostalgia and shit right now but it's like 90s nostalgia it's not yeah it's, not, it's like Gen i feel Z, like they or, probably went into their archive yeah opium was an iconic scent for them Mm -hmm. so i think they probably did want to take something that was so a part of the ysl dna Uh and like create a fragrance that kind of just like catapulted off of that Mm -hmm. but black opium smells like way different than the original yeah but i guess it was what the people wanted in 2014 it's like it's a bestseller man yeah i mean olivier cresp he does no wrong yeah fragrances this is true yeah I think he had a, he also had a hand in the extreme version. There were like four perfumers that created this. And wow. I was like, you need four? Right. Well, <laughs> they did some right. <laughs> they're just like, we're just going to dial up the bass notes. But yeah. there's four of us that made that. Just, right. You did good, guys. We did. The dream team. Love that. That's the dream team. Anyway, how do we segue into this cast? <laughs> this is... Okay. So, last time we decided that we're a tech podcast now. Yes. And mm-hmm. we meant it yep we're following through and what's more tech than virtual reality yeah i came across ovr technology just looking up scent stuff and what they do is incorporate old faction into virtual reality which 
I feel like everybody is trying to do these days, but I feel like they're actually being really intentional with it mm-hmm. and innovative with it. Because I, th- I feel like it's like olfaction first, yes. virtual reality second. Yeah. They'd probably disagree, but like in terms of what they actually do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, dudes, what's up? Mm-hmm. We would come on our podcast yeah. and tell us what's up because I'm reading, I'm reading your website and it's very informative but I have a very smooth brain right now. Right. <laughs> so. I also, when we were uh, like briefing them with questions, I almost didn't even know like where to start. No, same, same. Absolutely. I was like, how can I send, how I was can like, I, I want to know everything, but I don't know how to say that. Uh, yeah. Like how can I not sound like a dumbass so you won't cancel on <laughs> yeah. us? You know what I mean? I, I mean like, we, trying to sound professional. Here. We're about to interview him. So I guess, you know, yeah. we did good, but we got him. We got him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll stop noodling around about talking about what we're going to be talking about and we'll finally just talk about it. My name is Aaron Wisniewski. I'm a co-founder and the CEO of OVR Technology. At OVR Technology, we believe that virtual reality and augmented reality have the potential to change everything about our lives, to change the way that we learn, the way that we interact with each other, the way that we heal. And one of the keys to unlock that potential is our oldest and most primal sense, our sense of smell. So we developed a olfactory virtual reality platform that understands user behavior in the virtual world and translates it to real-time olfactory stimulation. And the platform is used in all different applications in health and wellness, training and simulation, arts and entertainment, education. And uh, and that's what I think we're here to talk about today. Wow, that's a lot. That's so wild. <laughs> Before we get into it all, I want to ask the question that half the time we forget to ask our guests. Aaron, what do you smell like today? Oh, today I smell like Mojave Ghost from Byredo. Ah, ah classic. <laughs> All yes. right. How did you come about this fragrance? So we're located in Burlington, Vermont, and there's a, a store here named Mirror Mirror, and they have a pretty impressive collection of fragrance. Um, and they actually introduced me to Byredo months and months ago, and I didn't buy it for the longest time. But it was one of those fragrances, actually all the Byredo, every time I go back and smell them again, I get like more and more into them. Um, mm. And so there's something about Mojave Ghost that was just pretty like s- simple, but fresh and elegant that I, I couldn't live without it. So uh, recently I, I picked some up. She is that girl. <laughs> say. Yep. I'll be honest. When I was looking up OVR, I was reading the website. Tyne and I, we, we constantly joke about our brain worms. That we're like information goes in and then it noodles around. And then we're like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, no, like what you guys do sounds really cool, but I have to be honest and say, like, I don't understand the first thing about it. So <laughs> if you would just want to give us um, a little walkthrough, that'd be really exciting. What piqued my interest is the the way that you guys incorporate olfaction and sense of smell into healthcare, specifically mental health, and how your sense of smell can be used to aid therapy and like PTSD. And I'm wondering, like, where did you initially make that connection? So I guess I could go back in time a little bit. You know, I think if you talk to me four or five years ago, I it would I'd probably be an unlikely candidate to be running a tech company. My path to get here actually started a few decades ago in culinary arts. Uh, I was a chef and I studied oh. food science and everything about food. And then later I got uh, into wine and became a sommelier and, and I was into spirits. Um, and everything about that experience, um, eating, drinking, is about smell. 
Um, totally. You know, 90% of your perception of flavor comes from your sense of smell. And I just got to see not only how it it's functional in eating and drinking, but also how people engage with it and how it dramatically changes their moods and emotions, behaviors, and how powerful it is in memory creation. Um, so that career led me down the path of the flavor and fragrance industry. And in 2013, I launched my own small niche flavor and fragrance company called Alice and the Magician. Um, and a few years after that, I got to try virtual reality for the first time with a group of people who are now my co-founders. And it just blew my mind. The technology, even at that time, you know, I think this is four or five, you know, four years ago, four or five years ago. Um, once you put the VR headset on, even though the graphics may not be photorealistic, mm-hmm. your brain is telling you this is real. And it just really knocked me over. And, and being who I am in that group at that moment, we're like, the potential is incredible, but of course this needs smell, right? Like <laughs> this yeah. obviously needs smell. And because of that, that connection that smell has with the limbic brain, right? Like memory, emotion, motivation, mm-hmm. and behavior, adding smell to, to virtual reality scenarios, just two things. One, it dramatically increases um, the immersion or what we call presence. So the kind of realism of the experience. And then two, smell has an inherent value on its own. Um, and so smell can have energizing or relaxing effects um, or it can bring up memories or create memories. Um, and so when we started brainstorming about, you know, if we were to combine this powerful sense of smell with this powerful technology, like what might we be able to do? And how can we move beyond, I think, the the go-to, which is video games, right? Like Right. Yeah. The combining technology and smell together is powerful. Like what's the bigger thing that we can do. And so there's a lot of things that came to mind, but one of the things that was both most interesting to us as a group from a values perspective, but also where we saw opportunity that we can make real impact was in health and wellness. Um, And so the company started kind of around this idea of not just, can we put smell in virtual reality? Yay. Isn't that cool? But let's focus on the outcomes what is the outcome that we can produce with a multi-sensory virtual reality experience? Um, and that's what we've been focusing on. Whoa. Wow. That's really cool. Was there, did you have an idea for, I guess like how smell would work with the virtual reality experience? I mean, like you probably had to have invented some sort of like spritzer or something right <laughs> yeah. yeah like I, is it I it's like think... a whole new attachment to like i'm i'm just pick, i've only experienced uh what is it the oculus headset mm-hmm. uh i think there's other ones too but like that's the only one i've experienced and it was impressive but you're right the thing that takes you out of it is sense of smell and the fact that i kept walking into furniture but <laughs> <laughs> we've had some we've had some incidents like that too yeah and you know even really really good vr to a certain degree you're still a spectator in it Yes. And smell really kind of engages you and turns it into an experience. And so, you know, because you're immersed in it, we're fortunate enough to be able to kind of test how smell might influence you Mm -hmm. just by using blotters, waving blotters in front of your nose in the very, very beginning. And we were like, wow, this really does have a a serious impact. We're not the first people to try to combine smell with media of some sort. People have been doing Mm -hmm. this for a long time. I mean, I think for better or worse, a lot of people remember actually got to experience smell-o-vision, which was all the way back in the 50s. And that's a kind of, it's a bit of a punchline, but it just shows how far back people have been trying to do this and unsuccessfully. Totally. And 
there's a few reasons that people have been unsuccessful. And those were the reasons that we really focused on from a technology and engineering standpoint. One, how do we make this spatial and positional? So smell in real life is not on or off. It's got all different kinds of intensities and comes in waves. So how do we, how do we make it spatial and positional? Two, what was really important to us is how can we create smell on demand, right? So mm. in real time, your, your actions in virtual reality should be able to produce scent at the same speed that you're doing, you know, that, that you're interacting with the world around you. But then equally as important, how do you make that scent go away? Because one of the problems in the past is you can create a scent relatively easily using anything from an atomizer to air freshener, but then it hangs in the air. And in virtual reality, to simulate a lot of different experiences and situations very, very quickly, you need to be able to get rid of that scent. So a lot of tr- kind of traditional methods kind of were out the window right away. Using heat, a heating element was out the window because it takes too long to ramp up and the, the heat can change the composition of the smell. So what we did is create this micro technology that releases very, very minute and precise amounts of scent at a time. And we're talking, you know, controlling it right down to the parts per million. So it's just enough scent to stimulate your olfactory system. And then the geometry of the technology, when you breathe out, if there's any smell molecules that do happen to be latent, your outbreath clears them away. So you'll never smell them again. So this is happening as quick as 130,000 times per second with our micro technology. What? Um, and the way we kind of like what inspired our design was we looked to nature, you know, how does a flower petal produce scent? And so when you look at our technology under a microscope, it's got all these micro pores where the scent comes out of that look like the surface of a flower petal when you put it under a microscope too. So So that was one of the big engineering hurdles. And then of course, the two other pieces of the puzzle are the software. And the software Mm -hmm. is what understands your behavior in the virtual world and then sends wireless signals to the technology. And then the third piece of the puzzle is what we call scentware, which is the scent liquid itself. And so we create all of our own scents in-house and they're all water-based solutions. Um, So rather than, you know, perfume that's alcohol-based a lot of the time, if you're breathing in a lot of this stuff, it's close to your nose. We want it to be approved and safe and water-based and really gentle. So that was the third piece of the puzzle. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like people would just get really dizzy if it was alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It could be very overpowering. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, intensity is a, is a big part of it. You don't want to, um, right. no knock to Yankee candle, but you, we don't want you to feel like you're in a Yankee candle shop. So they know what very they're artificial. doing. Yeah, they know exactly. exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I never thought about how you said uh, the, the three things about smell that you had to consider, like this, you know, the, all the intensities are not the same. And also that smell would have to go away. Like, how did you even come to that? You know what I mean? Like what, how yeah. did you get there? What could sort of research you to do about, I just never thought about smell that way. You know what I mean? I think about smell all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you like in, in real life, you're moving throughout the world quite a bit. So mm-hmm. the way that you are modulating sense is by moving your body and moving your head and moving your nose. Um, but you're a lot more stationary in VR. So we have mm-hmm. to simulate the, the environment moving around you. Um, and so we tried, you know, in the beginning, there was a lot of, you know, lower tech solutions that we tried with fans and things like that. But we'll, when we finally identified our, our core technology and patented that core technology and realized that, you know, humans are very, very sensitive. We don't get enough credit for how sensitive our noses are. People think, 
you know, we're kind of these blunt instruments when it comes to smell, but we're really sensitive. Actually, we are sometimes sensitive in you know the part per billion range for things like geosmin, the smelling range. Yeah. So we realized that just the the kind of the natural sensitivity of our nose is kind of afforded us the ability to control that experience by releasing only enough odor molecules to stimulate your olfactory sense on an in-breath and that's it. So it's all about kind of precision and control and what we call the aerosol generator, maybe for lack of a better word, Mm. doesn't use heat and it doesn't use chemicals. So the quality and the authenticity of the scent stays very consistent throughout the experience too. Wow. What were the first types of projects that you tested this out on? First type of projects. Let's see. I'm trying to remember what our first project was. I think pretty early on, we developed a virtual camping experience that we still use to this day because we love it. <laughs> and so we wanted to, to test this out. And if, there was a few criteria to making this test environment. One, we wanted smells that were familiar. You know, it's really fun to go, what does lasers and outer space smell like? You know, but nobody yeah. knows, you know, so right. nobody can say whether that's good or bad or right, right. or wrong. Um, so we're like, all right, what are things that people really, I, I, you know, recognize and identify so we can have a sense of familiarity? And of course, food is a big one. So we created this camping environment where you can light a campfire and roast marshmallows and smell wildflowers. And then the breeze comes in and you smell pine forest. And so that, that was our testing ground from really early on and still is a place that both we go to relax sometimes. And it's the <laughs> environment, one of the environments we used for our study that we did earlier this year. Okay. I, I have another question and I'm sorry if I'm like two in the weeds. So the material that you're using to create these smells can like, are the ingredients optimized to the experience that the person is having? Like not a game. I know it's not just like a video game, but like were it to be a game is, is the material is like a cartridge that comes with the experience or is it like one for any, like, can it make any smell? Oh, do you know? Yeah. Like are the, are the scents queued up? Yeah. Sorry. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a great question. I actually kind of glazed over that part. (laughs) That's just an important part there. As you two probably can assume, there's no such thing as like the RGB or CMYK of scent. There's no kind of base components that can make every scent in the world. So our technology, which is about the size of a a Snickers bar, just kind of it clips on the bottom of a virtual reality headset. And there's a scent cartridge that you plug in. And the scent cartridge has nine individual base odor components that on their own are smells and then combine to create compound smells also. So although there's not one cartridge for every environment, We have a few different cartridges that are themed so they can match a number of different virtual experiences within that theme. For example, we have a nature-themed scent cartridge. And so we've identified what the nine base odor components in almost any nature scene might be. And so whether you're on a mountaintop or whether you're by the beach or you're in the forest or whether you're in a field or a flower garden, that nature-themed scent cartridge can create most of the the olfactory experiences you would encounter in any of those those virtual worlds, those virtual experiences. That's wild. Um, <laughs> it's super fun. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Sable, I think you mentioned earlier how you know we're working with you know a guy named Skip Rizzo at ICT in California on a program that helps vets with PTSD. And so 
smell because of its powerful as it's a powerful memory trigger is integral in this brave mind program as a way to call up some of these difficult memories and reprocess these difficult memories so the smells there are horrible you know it's oh, blood and like, feces and oh. urine and burnt mm. hair and garbage and all of those things together you know, or individually can be triggers then together they kind of paint this picture of war trauma Jesus. Uh, it's like a horror cartridge jesus yeah. <laughs> it's it's not fun to make I, I i can't imagine it's fun to smell and you know i can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to actually experience trauma like that in the first place but the the brave mind program it, it works pretty well in you know helping vets reprocess yeah. difficult memories in a safe controlled environment yeah I feel like there's like obviously a lot of potential in there because having nine individual scents, nine is my favorite number, by the way, but then like <laughs> nine, nine isolated scents that you can then mix to sort of yeah, create like, whatever, you know, tableau like in this universe. That's so wow. And I'm, I'm saying this like as, as the expert, but also like, there's so many ways this can go. Like we are still very, very much learning how to kind of use this tool. But thinking about it in a different way than you might think uh, about making a fragrance that you're going to, in a lab, making a, a fine fragrance. Whereas making aromas for VR, they're not kind of standing on their own, right? You're not creating a complete picture on its own. You're creating something that integrates with these very specific and deliberate audio and visual stimulation also. So we kind of think about it almost like a, a sound engineer or someone doing an original score for a movie, right? It's not quite literal, like I see a tree, I smell a tree. It's what is the mood we want someone to be or what is the emotion we mm. want someone to have or what is the behavioral outcome? And how do we use scent in this environment to put someone in that mood state or create this kind of behavior? The unscientific way we look at it is that what we're trying to address is outputs in the form of like mood, like in human behavior. And that all human experience starts with sensory input. And that sensory input is processed by your brain. And then the output are those behaviors and those moods or emotions. And so if we want to change those behaviors or moods or emotions, then we change the inputs on the sensory side. So if you have complete control over what someone is seeing, hearing, smelling, and in certain cases, you know, feeling and tasting, then you have a huge amount of influence over the outputs, how they feel, how they behave, what memories they have. So it's kind of a different way of thinking about scent creation than traditional fine fragrance. And we're still learning for sure. We definitely don't have all the answers, but we've partnered with a ton of really, really smart people. Actually, Part of our team is Rachel Hers, who I think you've had. Oh my on gosh, yes. Yeah. She was Rachel one of my Hers. favorite interviews. Yeah. She is unbelievable. Uh, you know, so she smart. really is the, the the one of the smartest people I know, and certainly, you know, the most knowledgeable olfactory neuropsychologist probably in the world. And so, just having her on the the team as an advisor has been really really powerful for us to kind of understand how scent affects human behavior. As you're telling me this, my immediate thought is like, how will this be used for evil? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> don't give anyone any ideas on the podcast <laughs> that's true well it's it's interesting because i i keep reading more and more stories about how scent is now being incorporated into marketing and into branding mm -hmm. and into like 
experiential events because every brand now wants to do immersive experiential activations, I suppose. But this this strikes me as something like much more personal and much more, I guess, pointed and with a purpose more than, you know, just selling Hendrix gin or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's really the, a similar mechanism though. I mean, consumer sure, brands yeah. have known about the power of scent for a long time. Like of course, yeah. we all know what Abercrombie and Fitch smells like. Um, oh my gosh. Better or worse. Triggering. But worse. that really works. You know, people spend, yeah. I think it's people spend 17% longer there and spend 12% more money or, you know, whatever. The yeah. Yeah. Is. Yeah. And so I, I think that that world is intersecting with the kind of health and wellness world. I mean, you probably see it like, you know, fragrance with benefit yes. rather than just smelling nice. Like what can this really do for, for people? And so I think those worlds are kind of colliding in a lot of ways, both in scent and, and outside of scent where the experience and the product has real value to the consumer. And so scent can be incorporated into it as really like, a, a genuine physiological or biological value rather than just a, a kind of added feature or, you know, or a nice to have. Totally. Mm. That's so funny. Like I was talking to a friend yesterday about how we're both like, Oh, we really need to go on vacation. But then we're like, Oh, but we should really save our money for these other things and how experiences are always deprioritized in terms of its value mm-hmm. or its value proposition. Mm-hmm. And I think scent also is like the sense that is the most devalued or deprioritized because it's an experiential sense like you can't it's not tangible so like people are just like oh whatever but it can be life-changing and it it can be feeling changing and mood changing therefore it can be life-changing and when it comes to mental health or just health in general seeing all the applications of how scent can be used to improve like quality of life Mm -hmm. including even like staving off alzheimer's disease i read that some hospitals are like pumping certain scents into hallways. So patients with Alzheimer's can like remember like which hallway is theirs or like other stuff, which is pretty cool. And when you started OVR, was like wellness and healthcare, like kind of part of the mission or did that just evolve as you went on? No, it was part of the mission in a general way from, from the beginning. You know, when we, the founding team got together and kind of formed the company, talking about our, our values and what we want to do with it was really important. And so health and wellness and, and education and connection are kind of like the, the, the three points. So, you know, kind of our health, our knowledge, and our human connection. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we wanted to focus on. And, you know, we are a technology that is part of this whole ecosystem. So I wouldn't say that, you know, when we talk about health and wellness, we're not clinicians administering something. We're not therapists, you know, we're not doing any of that, but we kind of seek out other companies and other technologies that are on the front lines and we can partner with them and kind of spend our time and and resources supporting those use cases where there's like real positive measurable impact. Yeah. I'm just curious how scent can be used, like scent VR can be used in like education. A few ways. And I'll, I'll just list off like a couple examples. So there's in strictly for like skills acquisition and learning, but there's also as a tool to create more productive learning environments. And so that's one that I can speak to pretty directly is that no matter how old you are, right? Like you're going to be stressed and, you know, adolescents and kids can struggle with, with stress and different anxieties 
before and during after the school day. And so adding another tool to a teacher or a nurse, you know, adding another tool to help kids manage their stress and make them feel better and bring that level of stress down can make them much more productive and makes the classroom more productive, makes them more likely to, to learn and, and contribute to a positive learning environment. So as a stress ah. reduction tool, it's really, really powerful. And especially in schools, there's a lot of schools for kids who need a little bit more structure, you know, who m- maybe regular public school isn't right for them. And it can be really challenging as an educator when kids start to escalate or they start to have an episode. And so do you have to restrain them? You know, do they go into a timeout room? You know, what do you do then? Right. Yeah. But if there's a, if there's a tool that kids, you know, that generation is automatically a little bit more drawn to technology like VR, Mm -hmm. can you kind of keep that, that baseline (laughs) emotional temperature a little bit lower in the room? And then as, as far as virtual reality learning goes, Everybody knows experiential learning is the best way to learn. And what's really cool about virtual reality in general is that it really democratizes experience, right? So there's all of these experiences that me, you, anyone would love to have, but can't have because it's too dangerous, too expensive, too complicated, too whatever. But in this headset, you can go anywhere, do anything and be anyone. Mm. And the thing that makes those experiences more powerful is that make them more realistic and more immersive. And that's what Scent does in a, in a learning environment for, you know, adolescents. And then if you continue that to kind of adult life, one of the biggest areas of focus for us is high-risk occupations, police, fire, mm-hmm. military, rescue, oil and gas, aviation, people whose jobs are really dangerous and really stressful. And if you can learn how to do something in VR where it's safe, then you're more prepared for when that happens on the job and you're less likely to get injured or or damage property or even worse, you know? And so that's where VR becomes not just powerful, but measurably powerful. Or you can look at accident rates and negative health outcomes and, you know, how are people passing or failing skills tests? So that's, that's a really, really powerful use case for virtual reality and then those high-risk occupations where smelling smoke and smelling gas leaks and those things are an important part of, of skills acquisition. That's where the olfactory piece comes in. Wow. Wow. I feel like a lot of police departments probably need that for their de-escalation training. Yeah, fuck the police. <laughs> I, that's so interesting that you what you just said, because I am sort of obsessed with the idea of what you guys do in terms of like therapeutics, but I never considered it being a preparation tool mm. for, you know, high risk situations like that. That's so crazy. Cause you can, I don't know. I don't know how you prepare can to be you, a firefighter, yeah. but like, like, I never think about like pro I guess in a way it is like kind of programming a scent memory. Mm-hmm. So if you don't freak out in training, you're less likely to freak out in right. a real life application or, or even experience right. as much of the real life situation as you can, mm-hmm. rather than just sort of like going through the mode again, I don't know what training for thing it looks like, but um, <laughs> I've never been trained. <laughs> no, <I'm- laughs> well, now you can. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's so wild. That's so crazy. There's the emotional training too. Yeah. Oh, wait, tell us more about that. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me more about that. I can use that. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, there's obviously like the skills, right? Like how to use a fire extinguisher, how to use a fire hose. You know, you need to know how to do that and be be great for that. But also like, if you, I, I mean, I think a lot of us have experienced this before where we're in a situation 
maybe it's not even that dangerous, but we're not prepared for it. And people talk about fight or flight, but then the third option is freeze, right? You're yeah. so unprepared for the situation that you kind of freeze up and that becomes really dangerous when you're in a you know kind of high risk situation. And it happens when there's just too much new sensory input and you just can't process it. You don't know what to do. But if you have experienced that situation in VR before, then you don't get sensory overload. And the emotional part is if you have kind of like gone through what sometimes called like resilience therapy is you expose yourself to these potentially emotionally traumatic situations in increments before you experience them in real life, then you know what to expect. You're a little bit more prepared. You have the coping mechanisms in real time. So you might not have such a strong negative emotional impact when you, when you actually experience them. So we talk a lot about that with the military, you know, field medics or, you know, fire and rescue is a lot of the stuff that they see and encounter in their, their jobs is really emotionally difficult. And if you can prepare for that a little bit ahead of time, then not only can you react better in the situation, but you might be a little less likely to suffer emotional trauma, which is right, really yeah. long-term damaging. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so like letting that, I'm like still receiving that. Like that's, <laughs> let, let it sink in. Honestly. <laughs> Was it difficult to get healthcare institutions and organizations on board or did they like, did they come to you? And what does that even look like? Does their approval and their incorporating you guys look like, do you have to be FDA approved? Do you, yeah. do they have to have some sort of licensing to you? Yeah, to answer the first part of your question, it's very hard at this stage. And, you know, we are not a medical device. We don't treat, prevent or cure anything. So we are not involved with the FDA. You know, we don't make any claims. So it's really just about, you know, in increasing or improving patient experience and decreasing stress more on the, the wellness side. There's a lot of barriers. Like we can't just go in and sell to any hospital for a number of different reasons. So we've been spending our time focusing on health and wellness organizations that are a little bit more innovative, maybe, and a little bit more right. cutting edge. For example, this is a great example. We just signed a partnership recently with a clinic called Ketamine One. And this is a string mm. of ketamine clinics uh, across uh, North America that does ketamine therapy, mm. which has really, really promising results for- Oh um, yeah, for untreatable you know, depression. For, for Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and a few other kind of like mental health disorders. So like really, really promising results, pretty cutting edge, pretty innovative, not fully you know recognized by, by healthcare institutions everywhere. And a really important part of the ketamine process is, is set and setting. How do we get people in the right mood state to get the most out of their ketamine therapy? Wow. So that's a perfect example of, you know, someone that we partnered with. Another great example is a, in New York City, a detox and rehab clinic called Ascendant. There's 20,000 drug and alcohol detox and rehab facilities across the country. There's a ton of them and they all have different approaches, and different size. And Ascendant in New York City has a very innovative approach to care, which is very holistic. So mm -hmm. technology is an important part of it, you know, fitness, meditation, an important part of it. And so adding another tool to their toolkit to help, especially with that first like two to seven to 14 days of detox that can be really, really high stress and really, really uncomfortable on, mm -hmm. um, you know, bringing in an, a relaxing meditative olfactory VR experience can 
not just distract you and take your mind off of the uncomfortable feelings you're having, but can also really be beneficial in learning mindfulness and meditation and breath work. We do a lot with linking your breath to, to a smell and then creating more mm. positive mood states that way. So this, you associate that smell with positivity and good feelings. Have you been able to use the OVR in studies or is this kind of happening right now? <laughs> we have done, we finished one study and we're involved in a few more studies. And the study that, that was published earlier this year was at the University of Vermont Medical Center. It was in the Department of Inpatient Psychiatry um, measuring what the impact of olfactory virtuality is on stress. You know, mm-hmm. will this make people feel better? So once again, it's not a, treating or curing anything, but can this make people feel better in this really uncomfortable situation? So it was about 50 subjects um, and we administered a, actually we didn't, the, the hospital administered a questionnaire right before, right after, and three hours after the, the OVR experience, which was the camping experience that I told you, right. uh, told you about. And the, and almost everyone benefited to some degree. And I think the average reduction in stress was almost 70%, which is, Most which is it. huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Well done. And so that's really exciting. It's, it's, it's a, just a pilot study. It's very early. It doesn't, you know, necessarily indicate, you know, indicate that we've, yeah, so it, 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 it's very early, but it's very promising. And so there's more studying that, that we're looking forward to doing. And, you know, we're supporting some other studies too, mostly around stress, stress right. reduction, yeah. both on university campuses and, and, and more traditional healthcare settings. Cool. Is it hard to sort of like figure out how to measure these analytics of your, like the way that people are affected by what you guys do since you said, you know, you're not curing anything. So mm-hmm. are, are your measurables just sort of like, so how did you feel? I'm, I'm sure like getting something that feels concrete out of that takes a lot of work on the front end to get something that makes sense in the back end that you can then point to and say like, Hey, this works. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a really good point. And, you know, that coupled with the fact that scent is such a subjective experience, you know, everyone has their own relationship to different scents. And so trying to figure out how to kind of hit the middle of the bell curve, as far as scents that would be familiar without being recognizable and positive without being too evocative. Mm. So trying to, there's some guesswork that happens there. But we get the data in two ways. Um, We get the data from a questionnaire, just kind of like you pointed out, basically like on a scale of one to seven, how do you feel now versus beforehand? It's a bunch bunch of questions like that. But also we've increasingly using more and more biometric data like EEG, pulse rate, you know, heart rate, comparing those two data sets to see where they line up. You know, we haven't published any studies like that. Um, we're just kind of internally testing to see, but they they are lining up. So it's really great to see that people say they feel better. Some of the data says that they feel better and that they're enjoying it. And you know, we really hope that people continue to study this to get the the concrete data because it's still so early. You know, there's just right, not yeah. that much research on smell to begin with, which is crazy. You know, it's to still me. really early. I know, right? Like the fact that if you lose your sense of smell medical science is like, sorry, you're sure. Yeah, like, good luck. That terrifies yeah. me. 
Yeah, they're like, wow, that sucks, huh? All right, yeah. well, see you later. Right. Mm-hmm. We can give you a robot eyeball, but we cannot give you a robot nose. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's like one one percent of the population is blind, and three percent is an osmic. <gasps> I, I don't know. I think that's the right fact. I probably have to fact check that, but I think it's like three percent has smell loss. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. And post COVID, like all of a yeah. sudden, people really care about smell loss. Yeah. Um, right. And there's nothing we can do for them. Yep. Now everybody suddenly wants to know how to cure a nose. Oh, yeah. How convenient. (laughs) My phone's finally ringing. (laughs) I do wonder if like, I mean, not to say a pandemic is like an opportunity, but for an event like COVID-19 that does affect everybody's sense of smell, like who are the types of people who are banging down your door that they're like, hey, can you help us? Or like maybe not even a medical industry, but like different industries. Has anyone really unexpected approached you guys about working together? Yeah. Hmm, that's a great question. We have been approached by a lot of researchers who want to research smell training mm-hmm. using virtual reality and, and our device. And we've been able to support some of that research. But we just know that that smell training is so far off from being a proven thing, you know, that we're hesitant to get excited about any of that yet. It's still got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. As far as surprising people that have approached us, we, the National Institute of Health approached us to create a virtual food buffet to to study obesity and and eating behaviors. And so we got to make some really, really interesting VR scenarios with, you know, everything from the smell of cookies and fried food to vegetables. And I thought that was really fascinating, just how virtual eating affects people's appetite mm. and, and behavior. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't they say like you eat with your eyes first or you like, because like smell, smell is like a majority percentage of what taste is. Exactly. I yeah. I like had a cold the other week and like couldn't smell things and I could taste literally nothing. <laughs> and I was like, this is a joyless life. I don't want to be here. <laughs> It really, it's, it sucks, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. So yeah. I have a lot of empathy for people who are nosmic. What are some of like the most left of center or exciting scents you've ever had to like <laughs> oh, whip yeah. up for someone like from a brief or just from, for what you guys do? Oh man, the malodors for the PTSD program oh, God. was <laughs> really, really tough. And like... So the way that we create sense, we go about it in kind of like from two angles. One, we use our, our noses, you know, kind of use our, our sensory experience to, to kind of deconstruct what might be in a smell and go, I think it's a little this, I think it's a little this and remake it. Uh, we also use analytical chemistry techniques. So GCMS, you know, some of that, those, those analytical components to be able to assess what odor molecules are in a particular smell. So when it came time, to recreate the smell of burning hair and burning flesh, mm. I didn't know where to begin. You know, like I didn't, I, I don't yeah. have a context for that to go, oh, well, it's a little this, a little this. So yeah. we went to the, to the grocery store and bought a bunch of pig ears and then basically blowtorched pig skin and ran it through GCMS to find out what that, you know, those kind of yeah. odor components are and to be able to recreate that. And it just felt wrong. Yeah. You know, it, it was like interesting because, yeah. It was new ground, but it just didn't feel like... Yeah, that doesn't feel uh, nice. <laughs> no, it didn't feel nice. Definitely felt like I had to go home and take a bunch of, like a long shower <laughs> afterwards. So that 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 was strange. And just knowing that you're creating something that is going to like 
you know, it's for good. It's, you know, it's going to make uh, yeah. people feel better, but mm-hmm. still it's like, gonna cause it pain feels first. weaponized. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about the smell of, what about the smell of blood? Sorry, not to like keep you on the start subject, <laughs> but like, what does blood have a smell? That's true. Blood has yeah, a Yeah, blood absolutely so. has a smell. Really? And actually our, our research into making blood was fascinating. And un- we, this is one of the cool parts of it is we uncover like, oh, like one of the, key components in the smell of blood actually isn't in blood. It's when blood hits air and reacts with a certain component in in your blood, which also happens to be the same thing that happens when you hold an old metal wrench in your hand and like the the iron oxide. oxide, Yeah. And so there's all these kind of similarities that you start to notice and you start to develop these like scent memories that were created in a lab like i'm hiking now and i go oh oh i just smelled you know amyl vinyl carbonyl from this formulation we were making the other day so. that's wild that's funny only you would think that right <laughs> how did you know that like iron reverse. oxide well because there's iron in blood so i don't know i it's just like, assumed it was oxidized that just also blood me. tastes metallic like if you ever bite your tongue mm-hmm. and you taste blood it, it tastes like metal mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm for not bur- like drinking blood tinnit, okay? I don't, ask what, I don't ask what you do. For burning hair, you could have just asked us. We used to have hot tools yeah, to like understand what that smells like. This saved us some research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I really think my approach might have been a little bit over the top. I think some I could have brought in some much more experienced people instead of going to the grocery store. <laughs> I could imagine like a, I don't know, I don't play like soldier video games or like call of duty or something being like, Hey, give us that PTSD cartridge so we can use it for call of duty. Totally <laughs> like, though. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I did always we think it was pretty. A lot. Yeah. Oh, do you? you I, I always thought yeah. it was kind of dark that so many popular video games involve slaughtering people. Like it's considered fun and like an entertaining activity. But like, I imagine if you actually immersed somebody in that, like with smells with VR that like, I'm sure a lot of people would be like, I don't feel great about this. Yeah, probably actually. like a lot more affected by <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, totally. I can't imagine. And like, there's a number of reasons that we haven't gone down that route. But yeah. I also think that like, no matter how much you think that sounds cool, do you really want to smell blood and gun smoke over and over and over and over again for like four hours straight? Right. Like you'd be nauseated, right. beyond nauseated. So I think, you know, it's something that we it's a conversation that always comes up is the difference between what people think they want and what they actually Mm. want when it comes to smell. And this was something that I experienced before OVR at the flavor and fragrance company is trying to kind of distill what people really want versus what they think they might want. And so people go, Oh yeah. Like we could, you could smell gunpowder in my yeah call of duty game. And it's like, that would be awesome for maybe 30 seconds. Right. And and then it would not be cool at all. So, yeah. I get spooked playing like Resident Evil, so I cannot, I cannot stand, I will not tolerate like a fully immersive experience in that. <laughs> like, it wouldn't fly. Like, don't put me in a haunted house. I'll like lose my shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you have permanent yeah. emotional damage from yes. playing that game and also smelling garbage yes. and zombies. Not, Absolutely. Yeah, not for fun. No. There are people who like, you know, like people extremists who like really love that shit. So like, Great for y'all, but not for me. Not for us. <laughs> I actually never yeah. was really into video games at all. So virtual reality is kind of like, uh, it was a little out of left field for me, but I just became so into it so quickly that um, I really, I leaned in pretty hard. 
Yeah, I feel like VR was sort of invented largely with like a gaming kind of intention in mind. Mm -hmm. But then I do feel like it there are like way more applications that it can be used for like real life immersive stuff, therapeutic stuff, like like what you guys are doing. Yeah, if you look at the the pie graph of gaming versus other, like over the last five years, yeah, like five years ago was the the pie was like all gaming. And right. every year, you know, other, so like enterprise and training and simulation and healthcare, dramatically taking up more and more and more of that pie. And so I think it's around, you know, like 40% gaming now. And then yeah. VR, the rest is like enterprise and uh, enterprise applications. And the military uses it a ton too. Uh, Microsoft signed, like, I think it was like a $30 billion deal with the military to, to make HoloLenses for, for training and simulation. Jesus. Yikes. Yeah. Those are things like, I don't want to know. You know what I mean? And it's like, Ooh, that's a lot of money. Like, so that's like, where, all a, that's where all our healthcare money goes to. That's <laughs> <laughs> those, I guess that was a little bit of a downer um, after we had such a good time talking about. Blood. I was like, Oh, about I love blood. pie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the pie. <laughs> I wonder how far ahead or how far do you think we have to go before you think OVR could do scent in reverse? Like picking up smells and interpreting them. Yeah, great question. The t- a timeline is so hard to say. You know, whatever I say is is def- is going to be a total guess. But what I will say is that electronic nose sensing technology has come a long way in the last few years. It's not something that we understand really or, or we work in, but we keep our eye on it because it's the other side of the coin, right? Like, right. when is technology going to be able to? sense the odors that are in the air in real time and turn that into a piece of digital information that can be transmitted across the internet or across the metaverse and, and then be received by someone in a VR headset somewhere else. So it's it the technology is already in motion. Um, the idea is clearly on your mind and probably some other people's minds too. So I, I don't think it's that far away. I think it'll start out pretty basic, right? I, don't, I think it'll be a long time before it's kind of like, any scent is accurately transmitted across the world at any time. I think it right. will be yeah. kind of like the eight track uh, of mm. scent for, you know, for a little while, but the technology is really close. There's some yeah. really, really cool companies um, working on it, like taking like human olfactory receptor DNA and growing it in a, in a lab and Whoa. using actual like live biology to create these um, artificial noses. Jeez. There was something I read about this week, a device that is essentially an electronic nose. And it's like, it's like the size of a CD. It's like this like purple circle with, it looks like a, almost like a Bluetooth speaker, but it's just picking up Mm -hmm. sense. But the way that it detects sense is that within it, there are like tiny little pods that hold organic compounds, like the actual like odor molecules. Mm -hmm. And I guess when it like finds a match, it's usually, I mean, like right now the application is they're like, we're going to put it in airplanes so we can smell bombs, which I'm like, okay, big stretch, but like good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm sure they're like preloading it with organic compound odor molecules from like gunpowder mm-hmm. or I have no idea what bombs smell like or what's in them, but like stuff you might find in a bomb. And obviously it's a clock yeah. attached to sticks of dynamite. Exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. So like in that, like to me, like that doesn't seem like that's super, super far off for like something like a scent cartridge Mm -hmm. that you guys create. 
sort of being used in like this type of application. It's like the one thing that the iPhone can't do yeah. is send sent. And we are reminded of that by like every other reader who DMs yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> and like, how cool would it be if your digital self, the very first question you asked me, right, was what am I wearing? Mm-hmm. What yeah. if your digital self, you could ask the same question, right? So like whenever you interacted with someone, you know, right now, like it might be whatever, like on, on in Instagram, but like in a few years, like virtual second life and all these other like worlds in VR, you have an avatar and you have a, like a digital yeah. version of yourself. If they had a unique fragrance that when you got close to someone else and they were wearing the technology also, they could smell you the same way when you get close to someone in real life, you smell their, their fragrance and mm-hmm. people, people's scent is so unique and specific that it, totally. that's one of the most like social part of it is one of the most powerful things about scent. And that's not that far off either. And that really excites me too, as a, so, as a future application. That's crazy. Cause I'm just like, is that good? Right. Like, do we want to clone a person to such, or rather the experience of a person to such a degree? Like right. I'm like truly curious what beneficial applications there are for that. It's like conjuring intimacy. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I, I think that the way we have to think about it, which is maybe a little depressing, is that it's going to happen. Like, that's the direction we're going. Yeah. So how do we make it as human as possible? And I think scent is a huge part of mm. making those digital experiences human and meaningful in a way that they never could be without scent. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that brings me to like our last question, which is like, how do you hope OVR take scent technology into the future? The way that we see the future, and it's not just us, I think there's a lot of, of people who would agree, like what they call the metaverse is the thing that's going to happen next. Um, mm. Internet 2.0 or 3.0. And so kind of the way that we all are, we just always have our phones with us. It's how we yeah. kind of interact with the world around us for better or worse, you know, that's, and the next version of that is the metaverse where the phone kind of disappears and we're all looking at the world through a pair of glasses or goggles and it's augmented with, with virtual reality and, and, and augmented things. And, you know, like Facebook is heavily investing in this future. Um, and uh-huh. in that, in that, what we think is the inevitable future, we see OVR as being the olfactory technology embedded in that future, the kind of in, the Intel inside. Um, of the virtual future and the future is like how people use and experience the future is going to be a result of how it's built. And so for us, it's really important to advocate for a, like a human meaningful, positive version of, of that virtual future. You know, I think that it's easy to imagine a kind of dystopian future where people just are in VR all the time, escaping, yeah. doing yeah. bad things and no consequences. And right. So what can we do to, to make that virtual future like as rich and meaningful, authentic as our real one is our real world. So we want to be one of the, the many architects that create use cases and applications and technologies and partnerships that really bring out the best in us. Um, Cause we think that if you build a better virtual world, then you will inevitably build a better real world also. Yeah. Yeah. Very thank, cool. Thank you for using your powers for good and not yeah. evil. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, yeah. This is crazy. I feel like I learned so much and I still have no idea what you yeah. said. Like, you know, I, yeah, I was like, <laughs> you, I, when you said earlier, you're like, I never imagined myself like running a tech company. I'm like, me fucking too. Right, right. <laughs> Not yeah. happening, but like, <laughs> wow. But it is very exciting to hear just uh, all the things we can do, especially with scent. I'm waiting for the day that I get invited to a beauty event where they're like, and we're doing virtual scent, like virtual reality scent. It's probably soon. And it's going to be you guys. And I'm like, ah, oh, there it is. We know that. <laughs> I think it's going to be really soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you're going to get that invite very soon. <laughs> Dude, I know someone's going to use this for evil. He sounded hot. <laughs> So it's okay if a hot person does it, I guess. Exactly. He's not going to do it. Yeah. But if you're going to be evil, have the decency to be hot at least. Please. No. <laughs> yeah. I that like I learned so much about all of that, but also just like all of the things that go into VR. I mean, obviously, I didn't learn everything, but also all the ways you can take it. Yeah. Like I. I it did not dawn on me that you could prepare for like traumatic situations. No. You well, know what I've, I mean? I've heard about like immersive therapy Yeah, where like, if you're afraid of spiders, for instance, <laughs> you'll have like a therapist slowly introduce you to, to a spider. So you're not as afraid of them. Does it work? I don't know. Yeah. Never tried it. Right. I guess it's kind of like that where you have, you have the experience in a controlled environment. So you feel like you're in, you know, you can like hit your safe word or something right. to make it stop. Yeah. Or even just like the, like the firefighter yeah, yeah, yeah. thing like that. I was like, Oh, that would make sense. Totally. And also I thought it was really like when I asked the question, like, how do you measure any of this? That's true. It's so subjective. It's so subjective, but also like uh, the ways that he was like, well, here is how I was like, Oh, this makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I would have, I don't know. There's just so much more to it. I thought of that black mirror episode with Kurt Russell's hot son. Mm-hmm. Wyatt Russell god such a hot name too where he's like a video game tester and they like inject a chip into the back of his head right and like you think he's in the lab interacting with them but he's like already in the game Mm -hmm. and like you go through this whole hour-long episode where lots of stuff happens and then like at the end of the episode it's like it's only been like 10 seconds and I was like oh my god this is the future of VR that show puts me in a bad place Uh, I can't watch it it doesn't it doesn't Mm -mm. but it mostly does yeah. you're into that shit though. I am into that shit. I don't like <sighs> no. <laughs> That's wild though. I want to experience the product. I do. I want to smell some I things. think you know what? I I feel like in the future we will. Um obviously we will tell you all about it. I want to know what the other cartridges are because you only talk about <gasps> yeah. the nature one, which I don't want to do. The forbidden cartridge. Or or the PTSD <laughs> one, which I also don't want to do. The forbidden cartridge, <laughs> yeah. Like, don't you have one that like smells like a bakery yeah come on tynan's cartridge it's just like only like desserts it's it's rhinestone yeah (laughs) it doesn't even work (sighs) well thank you once again for (laughs) sitting through a half an hour of us spiraling and then a very good interview and then five more minutes of us spiraling. we'll cut cut that down or maybe we won't maybe we won't tell us Tell us how you like this one. You know what? By now, you know you know what you come for. That's true. I feel like we're enough episodes in where it's, you know. There are enough surprises here. None. None whatsoever. None. <laughs> we are actually like careening, careening toward our one year. Oh, shit. I know. God, that really just flew by. 
we're doing some really fun things. Mm-hmm. Half of them we haven't planned out yet, but we will. <laughs> so stick around. It's going to be yeah. a kooky month of September. Oh, fuck. I know. Okay, anyways. Anyway. Follow us on Instagram, at smellyoulater. Follow me, I'm at tinyandbuck. It's smellyoulater.mp3. What did I say? You just said smell you later. Okay, well, I mean, okay, it'll populate. We've both been through it. Yesterday, <laughs> it'll populate. Uh, I'm at Sable Tooth Degra. And until next time, we will smell you later. Smell you later. <laughs>